0: Hello, hello. I'm Craig Fields, and I'm David Long, and you're listening to week 61 of Is It Worth It, the film review podcast. Uh, We've gone out of our way to see as many films in the cinema, well, David has, um, (laughs) and some of the bad ones, so you, the listener don't have to. Yes, that's right, dear Craig, I have seen many,
1: many films for this episode, so if you're not a fan of me, then now <laughs> is the time to turn off, because I'm going hand Solo on no less than four uh, film reviews, but we do have a lot of film
0: reviews for you, the wonderful listener, so Craig, what have we got coming up on today's show? Well, first up is Marvel's latest outing, uh, Shang-Chi and the... Shang-Chi. Oh, God, I, I practiced <laughs> so hard, I didn't say. Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings. Uh, this is Marvel's, again, I said this already, it's Disney's latest outing. How many of these have there been? How many Marvel many, films? Many, many of them. And there's going to be many, many more. The Eternals yep. next. Then yeah, spider looking forward to that. Spider-Man. Yeah, looking forward to that. Ah, the
1: trailer for that. But, <laughs> Next on the show, we are, well, I am reviewing Annette, starring Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard. It's a bizarre musical.
0: I really wish I could. Yeah, it's
1: honestly one of the most bizarre films I've ever seen. It's going to be an interesting
0: review. Is the film worth it? Well, stay tuned to find out. Next up, after Annette, is Respect. Uh, We're both reviewing this one, by the way. Uh, And this is the biopic for the incredible soul singer Aretha Franklin.
1: Indeed. Craig then goes hand Solo with Here Today. Billy Crystal writes, directs and stars in this funny and yet, Craig, possibly flawed movie?
0: Maybe. Stay tuned again to find out. <laughs> Uh, Then, uh, well, sorry. uh, It's you. It's me. Um, (laughs) David then reviews The Night House, which is a tragic tale starring Rebecca Hall.
1: After that, I'm
0: looking at Malignant, which is also a tragic tale (laughs) directed by James Wan. And David rounds off the show with, yes, you guessed it, (laughs) another tragic tale with Candyman.
1: So many tragic tales. I
0: know. I mean, there's elements of tragicness in respect.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Annette is a pretty tragic tale.
0: As well, it's just a story, a show full of tragedy. I mean, even Shang Chi, there's yeah. some tragic. There is, there. there is, yeah. What a tra! This show is going to be tragic. Too. It's a
1: tragic show, in general. In general. Talking of tragedy, how art thou? Well, <laughs> that's not what we practiced. <laughs> I thought I'd throw you off. No, how how are you doing, Craig?
0: I thought I'd ask you first. You know what you actually said in the, in the rehearsal breakdown yeah. of our introduction mm. was. Not speaking of tragic. How are you?
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm pulling your leg. But then you call me tragic. Well, is it, well no, you're doing very well. Um, for those of you who didn't listen to the last episode, Craig is engaged.
0: Congratulations again. Thank you very much. Um, Enough talking about the engagement. which just going I mean, it is fantastic, but yeah. um, we're just trying to keep our heads down now because there's a lot of planning. I didn't I realize imagine. just. Oh, mate, how much goes into it? You have it.
1: dived into the deep end with this. I know. With less,
0: well. Nearly, just in... Mm. Should, I, should I have said that? I don't think you should. I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> beep it, beep it. I can't beep it now. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe I can. It's beeped. <laughs> Nobody heard it. Sorry, Charis. Um, talking of other events, I just want to wish,
1: wish my mum a very happy birthday. How old is she? I, oh, should I even ask that? I know it's uh, rude to ask a lady's it's age. It's but... very, very rude. Um, and the honest answer is we sort of stopped counting at 50. So does she know? She actually, she always asks my dad how old she is. So she does. We'll know, know how old she is again when she hits sixty for the next big celebration. But those so nine years, fifty and sixty. We shouldn't be saying this. My poor mother.
0: Hi, mum. Hi. I mean, she's not my mum, but I well,
1: would don't. Well, imagine if we were brothers. That would be weird. Oh god. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, anything else been going on with you? I mean, we, normally we we have an idea of what we're going to talk about yeah. in the intro today. We've just dove straight into
0: it. Well. We have a very special show coming up as of next week. Um, We can announce that right now. Yes, we do. It is a James Bond special. David has been working and beavering hard at writing a script for Mm. the show. We have booked ourselves in for a very special screening for the next Bond film.
1: And we're planning to get that out. We're not going to set a date because I don't want to put Craig under too much pressure. But it's going to come out fairly swiftly once Bond has been released for your listening pleasure. To know whether no time to die. By the way, has a two hour, 40 odd minute running time. So it has
0: plenty time to die. Plenty
1: of time to die. Stole that joke off Twitter. I do apologise. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it on Twitter. Someone just tweeted the trailer and it said... That's plenty time to die. <laughs> um, two it's hours, so- over two, two hours, 40 minutes. So with trailers and uh, credits, it's over three hours. But I think this is going to be a brilliant James Bond. Um,
0: you, s- you hope
1: so. It's ho- Daniel Craig's hope final outing. I it's Daniel Craig's final outing. I saw a video on, on TikTok of him saying goodbye to the cast. He got really choked up. On TikTok? I'm on TikTok. Yeah, it's so addictive. What the hell is TikTok? You must know what TikTok is. No. It's just where you scroll through video after video after video.
0: Isn't that Instagram Reels?
1: Yeah, but it's like Instagram Reels, but it's just an app called TikTok. You must have heard of TikTok. Why?
0: You must have heard of TikTok. I mean, yes, I've heard of it, but I've not I'm not on it. I'm genuine. this is the first social media I'm on. I've been on MySpace. I've been on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Friends Reunited. Um I have no friends. Have you been on have you heard of Friends Reunited? I went on it. You weren't have you never heard never heard a friend of Friends? No, you know, I have heard of it. I was like trying to make the joke that I went on it and s- I didn't reunite with anyone. Well, it's something from the 90s. I don't think you were ever on it, mate. Um, oh, I've heard of it. I think my mum was on it.
1: You meet... Oh, but I think it's pre-Facebook. Yeah. Why did you go on it?
0: I didn't. It was a joke. Oh.
1: <laughs> oh, hilarious. See, you really... Oh, fuck. Oh, Five-sapping f- 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 comedy here. Oh, dear. Should we crack on with the show? No, have I haven't else? even asked how you are yet. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Are You pleasant? Uh, I'm, I'm well. Um, I have a slight blocked nose. I have done a COVID test, so that's why we're recording together. So if I do sound a bit like Wallace from Wallace and Gromit, I do apologise. I've got a bit of a block nose.
0: If he coughs, blocks, blows his nose, sneezes, I'm going to try to um, avoid
1: doing all of those things.
0: Any noises? Uh, it's quite that warm are... in the
1: UK at the moment. I don't know if it's a bit of hay fever. I, I don't can know. I, what... Can I talk?
0: I mean, you, you can. I was going to say if any. Any noises that come from David that aren't usual, it's not because he has COVID. Um T and C yeah, you did already have it, but doesn't mean you can't get it again. Yeah. Just remember. And on that bombshell, should we crack on with the show? No, we were talking.
1: Oh, I just want to get on with the film reviews. The list come on, I'm tapping my wrist. It was the the intro was too long last week. Fine, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good intro. I'm not so sure. (laughs) Lol we
0: So our first review on week 61 is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. uh, Marvel's latest outing sees Shang-Chi, also known as Sean, confront his past, which he thought he had left behind. However, he is then drawn into the web of the mysterious Ten Rings organization. Uh, We have a clip. Let's play that clip. And uh, here we go.
1: I should also probably mention that my name's not technically Sean. What is it? It's Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. No, Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. shang Shan. Shang. 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 Yeah. You change your name from Shang to Sean? Yeah, I don't. I wonder yeah. how, I wonder how your father found okay, you. I was 15 years old. All right. What is what is your name change logic? You going into hiding, okay. and
0: your name is Michael. You want to change it to
1: Michael? That's that's not what
0: happened. It's, it's like hi, my name's Gina. I'm gonna go into hiding. My new name is Gina. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, you can hear me.
1: So that was a clip from Shang-Chi, and me and Craig have been arguing off air repeatedly of how
0: Shang-Chi
1: <laughs> of how to pronounce this film. But we're gonna go for Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi, The Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, I went into this film with low expectations. So unlike The Suicide Squad, where I went in with a very high expectation and came out da- came out thoroughly disappointed, I actually thought I'm gonna go into this film with low expectations. Um, It's sort of a new direction for Marvel. It's not characters we've been introduced to before. So I thought I'm going to go in with a fairly low expectations. And also I went in blind. I'm, Pretty certain I hadn't seen a trailer, but I had heard amazing things from Crane, particular Crane Craig, particularly about a a fighting sequence on a bus. Um, and the first thing that I would say about this film is it's really, really engaging, um, very much like Black Widow, which I said had a brilliant starting uh, sequence. Like The Legend of the Ten Rings, really um, engaged me straight away, and it's also a very well paced film. Um, so immediately I was invested in the characters. I felt like the film was moving very, very quickly. I couldn't tell you the runtime off the top of my head, but it didn't feel that long at all. But what I really, really liked about it, and, and this clip shows it, and me and Craig were laughing as that clip was being played, was the the humour in this film. This film was... It was everything that the Suicide Squad wasn't. It was, whoa, whoa, it was whoa, whoa, genuinely
0: whoa. funny. No, 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 no. Laugh stop, out stop, loud humour. Stop that. So... Suicide Squad was genuinely funny. This is a different kind of funny. Marvel do have their usual tropes and it's quite formulaic. It's like the unexpected nature of these characters walking into a bar and something supernatural comes along and then they say something witty along the lines of like, oh... Didn't see that coming, and then the audience <laughs> laughed. And it, it, but it is funny. But it, yeah. it is becoming very formulaic. Uh. Very Marvel follow this, 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 this formula. And it, I'm not the only one to have noticed that. Um, someone else, very famous, has noticed this as well, and has been gone on record to saying, uh, saying it no less. And it's the Dune director Denis Blenoux, Um has gone on record to say that they are, they, well, he's gone to slag it off a little bit. Oh, wow. Saying that there is there is quite a formula that they go on. Uh, he's not a fan, basically. Yeah. And you know what? I am a fan. Yeah. And I do really, really enjoy the Marvel, Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this I absolutely loved. Good. Despite having that formula, and I can see it, I note it, but I move on from it because it's funny. Yeah the action in it is absolutely incredible. Mm. The fight sequences are Jackie Chan on steroids. Yeah. Lots of roids here. Lots and lots of roids. (laughs) The the bus scene in particular is something that I've, I've been very impressed with notably because it is that element of surprise and it is that trope again. Yeah. The shock of somebody, something, someone doing something unexpected to the characters within the film. And this happens not just in the Marvel films, but in nobody. Nobody a film reviewed maybe three or four episodes ago uh, that has a man who leaves his past behind and has a family.
1: Rediscovers it.
0: And we, as uh, the audience, along with people on a bus, rediscover (laughs) his ability to do violence, I suppose. And the same can be said... For Shang, Shang-Chi here, who is a character who has been raised to be an assassin from yeah. a very early age, but decided to run away and formed a friendship with Awkwafina, Yeah, <laughs> who on the bus scene discovers he's got these incredible abilities. And it's her reaction to this. That, and, and throughout the entire film, her reaction to things that happen along the way make the film... Incredibly entertaining to watch and very funny, and I think she's absolutely stand out in this film. That being said, then you describe or may describe this film as a sandwich, I have a feeling.
1: Yes, um, no, actually. So, for, 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 there is a film, uh, le- there are many films, there's going to be plenty of food analogies on this. Um, on this episode, respect is a sandwich and we'll get to that. Um, For me, this film was split into three, three acts, three parts. The first was very, very strong. The second really moved the story along very, very well. It was that, for me and you're nodding which is good because we actually agree for once that third and final act which was the most dramatic that's when the most drama and the most superhero stuff happened but for me that felt the most formulaic that was like i know exactly what's going to happen oh yeah that's just happened exactly how i thought Mm. it would happen and for me the first two-thirds of this film wasn't predictable It was quite original. I thought it went ways I didn't expect it to go. It was the final act where it it fell into those stereotypical tropes. Um, There is one particular performance that I think we both want to talk about, unless you want to talk about another element or or that final act yourself.
0: No, no, no. Go. Crack on. Crack on.
1: Um, Ben Kingsley. (laughs) Uh, I think it's Sir Ben. But yes. I'm not a hundred percent sure. But he gives a cameo in this. It's more than a cameo. It's a He's a su- actually a, a very important character yeah. within this film. A supporting role. But he is absolutely hilarious. That man is such a versatile actor. And this character he brings is sweet, charming, funny, unpredictable. Um brilliant performance by Ben Kingsley here. Mm. Really different um
0: well Ben Kingsley Kingsley here is reprising a a role from Iron Man 3 where he played the the Mandarin it was the Mandarin wasn't it um an orange (laughs) (laughs) um so in that film he is playing what is supposed to be um Shang-Chi's father but we are not to know that until this very film, uh the leader of the ten rings. So you're okay. talking about
1: Ben Kingsley, you're talking about someone else.
0: No, I'm not actually. So not? in Iron Man 3, Ben Kingsley oh, plays right. Sorry, I'm getting the confused. Mandarin, who is supposed to be the leader of the Ten Rings, which is actually the the, the character who is actually in this film Shang Li's dad. Yeah?
1: My my apologies for interrupting. Daddy your...
0: Daddy is the leader of the Ten Rings. Yeah. And a notable baddie, I suppose.
1: Yeah, uh, a, a great performance from him. Um, sucks you in and gets you emotional about his character and his quest. And then sort of turns bad. But is he bad or is there redemption there? Some interesting themes.
0: Yeah, certainly. And uh, Tony... Tony... Um, Tony Wai, I believe it is. Shi Shu Tony Shu Wu Lang. Okay, so he he is probably one of the most famous actors from Asian cinema... And this is his first real big American Hollywood movie that he's done. And his performance in this film is absolutely incredible. Um so basically there's a lot of very powerful standout performances um within the film. Uh, Notably, our main cast: um, Simu Liu, who plays Sean or or Shang Chi, Shang Chi, sorry, Aquafina or Aquafina, sorry, um, plays Katie, leading character within the film. Um, They are all incredibly, I don't know, just powerful, moving performances, but not just moving in the sense of an an, an emotional. uh, roller coaster for the, for the characters where they go, but just also like the humor that they play in the yeah. film and the journey that the character arcs go on. Like they're, they're they're just for every sense of the purpose powerful. They are powerful because of the the nature of their powers, the nature of like their physicality within the film. But not only that, the the way that they portray themselves, and 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 I think they've had a good script. But mm. I feel like at the same time they're, they 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 raised the bar on what they can do with a good script. They they yeah. punch through it basically.
1: Yeah, no, I, I didn't make many notes on this film at all. Uh, one of the notes that I did make and wanted to mention was I thought the script was really really good. Mm. Again, I'm not going to slate it much more but for me, totally different to The Suicide Squad. I thought the script in The Suicide Squad was suicidal. I thought it was awful. Um, I thought the script here was much better. Gave the actors a lot to work with, particularly Ben Kingsley's character, which I thought was really, really unique. Um, I was going somewhere with Ben Kingsley's
0: character, with Trevor anyway, wasn't I? Yeah. I, was, was, I, I, I've kind of sort of went off and veered off into another direction <laughs> with what I was trying to say about his character, but he, he was in Iron Man 3. Hmm. And he's had this character arc all the way through, carried all the way through to this very film. And it's an incredibly good payoff for that character, even though he's just a sideline character. I did feel a little disappointed in Iron Man 3 when we discovered the... I suppose we can say it's been nearly, I don't know, 10 years since that film came out. Um, like, he he, he is actually an actor portraying the, the Mandarin um, and didn't realise that he was actually drawn into a real terrorist organisation to yeah. to front that and and it's hilarious to see but he makes it in iron man 3 it was a bit weaker i kind of was disappointed with that plot twist mm. um i feel like iron man 3 was one of the weakest iron man films however his character coming back in here the payoff is much much it's better big payoff. it's and 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 his character arc and ben kingsley in in the sense gets that Rewarding turnout for a character that's been played for over 10 years now. He's not just been in Iron Man 3, he's been in a, a short film that was only available on reprising the role, by the way, um, on Iron Man, not Iron Man, sorry, for Dark World, I think, on the DVD extras, which showed him in prison. Oh, wow, for the crimes that he'd done in Iron Man 3 and possibly being broken out. So, he, his his arc and his journey has. Has yeah, been carried okay, wow, on it's... and woven into the Marvel Cinematic Universe within DVD extras and other stuff, and I like that they've brought him back. Every this is this is the brilliance of Kevin Feige in in uh, the producer of all of these films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He is able to we, we just just weave an arc for every character through almost all films and 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 then placing them into even DVD extras just to yeah. get them moving with their story and for those diehard fans it's what every comic book fan dreams of in a movie format and and they've done it so well this is why I don't understand DC and their yep. formula like how have they got this so wrong because all they can have to do is look at the formula that Marvel's done and replicate it in a way for their characters because people love their characters yep. comic book TV show wise people love them and they want to see that instrumental wovenness of each character woven through the films to see them interconnected. And it's a mess. It's a shambles. And Warner Brothers just want to make money. But I feel like they would make way more money if they really just invested in weaving the stories together and making them canon and making them work. And it just doesn't happen. Marvel are unique in the sense that they managed to do that is Denny Villeneuve correct in the sense that they are all very formulaic? I think he is. But but hey, stick to the winning formula. Exactly. And it's bringing in Disney the big bucks. And as much as I am against Disney becoming a monopoly, Mm. I enjoy Marvel's films. Is it because I'm a bit of a lad and enjoy these kind of superhero films? I don't think that makes any difference. I think anybody can enjoy these films. Mm. And I truly believe that we will get a payoff one day with all of these marvel films but for me shang chi might just be one of the best um origin stories for a character that we've had for a very long time within the marvel cinematic universe
1: wow a lot of amazing points you made there and just to touch upon one of them what i love about um The MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, is I I was, before doing this podcast, I was very new to it. And I love the way the stories are woven together. Weaven? Weaven together, woven together, interconnected. And the little Easter eggs. that There's little Easter eggs in this film that link back to other films. And, look, I think Craig's absolutely nail-meat-head. Um... In terms of the origin story, I was worried about this. I was worried that I wouldn't be invested in this character. I was worried that, was this a bit of a cash cow marvel going off on another tangent? But bring no. it on. Bring this on is another- phase
0: four, David. They've planned it all out. They, they, they are more planned
1: and prepped than I was for this episode. Um, because you made me look very silly with your, uh, with your knowledge over mine.
0: Yeah, but David, David <laughs> I haven't got any notes. But I love the MCU. I know. I mean... Did. I've, I watch everything. I'm watching What If on Disney Plus at the minute. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. saying yeah. yeah, but he doesn't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, if you haven't seen What If and you've got Disney Plus, watch it. It is now officially canon. Um, okay. Mainly, it's a cartoon series. Wow. Um, looking at what if something happened to a certain Marvel Cinematic Character. Oh, really? Wow. And, uh, and if, what if it went down a different road? Something different happened, say, what if Doctor Strange didn't lose his hands in a car accident and something else happened?
1: What if Spider-Man wasn't bitten by a spider?
0: No, it was more... <laughs> no. He would just be new film man. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's just, it's just little things. What if little things? Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. What if Turchillo was abducted by the people who abducted the guy from guardians of the galaxy and he became (sighs) mind blowing stuff It is, Um, but this is all officially canon because now of the multiverse that is obviously being introduced. Um, the next couple of films that are coming up, like we we said in the intro, the Eternals, yeah, um, which looks
1: visually stunning, by the way, It
0: is the Eternals, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, director Chloe Zhao on yeah. board, who we all know was the uh, well winner at the Oscars, the big winner,
1: best director, best picture,
0: yeah, for Nomadland. Um, um, she is a, a a wonderful director. We've we've noted her work throughout the podcast. Um, since we've been doing it. The Rider as well. The Rider, which actually I thought was a better film than Nomadland. I would agree. agree. And, um, yeah, didn't win anything really other than some smaller scale festival prizes. I think this film, The Eternals, will have so much human elements to it than any other Marvel films had before, yet it's going to be huge. Like It is going to be so alien as well. And so dramatic and so cast, a story cast over thousands of years. And it's going to be really, really cool. And then you've got Spider-Man, which is going to be a really true multiverse film. Um, as you, most of you have more than likely seen from the trailer, so it is an interesting time for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, keep watching What If. Go back and watch Loki if you haven't watched it on Disney Plus. If you if you watch Loki, I have not. You should because it's all canon, mate. <laughs> uh, WandaVision as well. Have you watched that? I have not. No, go back and watch that.
1: Is it worth it, the film and Disney Plus review podcast?
0: Mm. Should we ask some questions? I do. I just want to
1: say I loved listening to you talk about the MCU. You've got so much knowledge and you put me to shame. But let's ask the question, Craig, for you, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, is it worth it?
0: Yes, I think this is 100% worth seeing in the cinema. Don't wait two months for it to come on Disney+, Plus because I feel like the big screen is the best place to see Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. David, is it worth it? Yeah,
1: really surprised by this. engaging well paced hilariously funny great script brilliant action sequences um the final act is is the weakest element but overall the journey is 100% worth it and if you're going to see it you need to see it on the biggest loudest screen possible get out get to your cinemas and go and watch Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings yeah good review oh thank you well you did most of it (laughs) So our next review is Annette. Uh, and you our, say uh, Al. My, (laughs) I should say, my next review is Annette. Uh, What's this film about? Well, Los Angeles today, Henry, played by Adam Driver, is a stand-up comedian with a fierce sense of humour who falls in love with Anne, played by Marion Cotillard, a world-renowned opera singer. Under the spotlight, they form a passionate and glamorous couple with the birth of their first child, Annette, a mysterious little girl with an exceptional destiny their lives are turned literally upside down.
0: We love each other so much We love each other so much We're scoffing and marching This wasn't the plan. We love each other so much. We love each other so much. We love each other
1: so much.
0: I think they may love each other. <laughs> <laughs> you stole my joke. Very, very much. I was
1: about to say, unless you didn't realise, it, it's quite possible that they're in love. So... Um, <laughs> Annette, you know, where do I begin? And I'll begin by saying this. Um, I couldn't, and I have now decided, whether this is one of the best or worst films I've ever seen. And I really, really do mean that. It is absolutely bonkers. But let's start with The Basics. It's um, directed by Leos Carax, starring Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard, and Simon Helberg as well, uh, best known probably for his role in uh, The Big Bang Theory. Um, at its heart, it, it, it's this whirlwind romance between Drivers and Cotillard's characters. Uh, he's a stand-up comic, comic um, a very controversial one, and there's great scenes of him doing some of his stand-up. And she is probably the more beloved hmm. character of the two. So he's like the, I don't know, the Ricky Gervais, you know, he, dark comedian. I mean, Ricky Gervais is loved. Maybe that's not the best example. But he's a... Is a, he loved, though? It, well, I love Gervais.
0: I mean, I... I... Like Gervais, too, but I think he is a highly controversial character in most realms of this universe.
1: But what I'm trying to say is between Driver and Coltyard's character, she mm. is she is the this beloved op- opera singer. Um, and basically what we see on screen is their romance is shown um, rather explicitly at times. I won't go into the details, but it made me very sad that an elderly couple actually walked out of the cinema in the middle of a fairly heated scene. Um, and this argument he, or sexual, sexual right. Um, and that leads me on to the next bit. This sexual encounter, this love of theirs, leads to them having a baby called Annette. Now, this is where it gets a little bit weird, Craig, because Annette is actually portrayed by a puppet. Okay. Um, so this is where it becomes very abstract, very art house, very niche, very, very different. And all, all the time you've got this... You know, these lavish songs interrupting this bizarre, um sort of storyline. It's it's very, very strange. You mm. want to ask a question? Yeah, what does this puppet
0: represent?
1: I think that's a good question. I didn't know you were gonna ask ask that. Of course you didn't know. Oh, I didn't. Um the <laughs> listeners might think we had that planned <laughs> out. Definitely but, not. Um I think the puppet, what does it represent? It it repre- it's very ambiguous. Um so the puppet can represent many things um, such a politician's answer <laughs> <laughs> just say I don't know but the honest answer is I don't 100% know what the puppet represents I don't know why they went for a puppet um, at its heart what is this film could a-
0: this child act- could it actually represent the fact that they couldn't have a child
1: uh, I don't think so I think that Annette is definitely a real child and we do see that in this film as well like a Pinocchio Um <sighs> wants to be a real girl? You keep interrupting my review. Sorry, I'm really curious. Um, the, uh, the answer is, I don't know what... The, watch the film. Um, I really want <laughs> Do <to>. some work. <laughs> I'm joking. Craig does loads of work. Um, at its heart, it's a romance, but it's more of an analysis of a father-daughter relationship. Um, but I do want to touch upon the technicals in this film, not what the meaning of the puppet is. Wish you hadn't have asked me that. I didn't know you were going to. Let me say this, and I want to make this very, <laughs> very clear. And this is like my pull quote for this review. The cinematography is astounding. Like some of my favourite of this season. I think visually it's truly gorgeous. I just remember looking at certain shots and and was like wow and um, there's one particular wow. there's one particular moment where Adam Driver is riding his bike into the sunset and it is just beautiful the way it's shot the production design's great the costumes the hair and makeup the acting and the singing is brilliant and Simon Helberg you know um from the big bang theory mm-hmm. plays Howard yeah um he plays an accompanist um turned conductor and he's actually features in one of my favourite scenes of the year where he's conducting this orchestra whilst giving this dramatic monologue. And with the surround sound, honestly, this this orchestra, the, the music just goes right through you. His words are like poetry. It's this dramatic monologue accompanied by music. It's one of my favourite scenes of the year. So it's got some of my favourite cinematography, one of my favourite, if not my favourite scenes. Um, it's wacky. It's bizarre, it's bonkers, it's theatre on screen. It's a spectacle like nothing I've ever really seen before.
0: But I so why? Sorry to interrupt you yeah. again. Why could this be the worst film you've ever seen? Because it is so because it is so abstract, it's
1: so different, it's so off-key that some people, I mean two people walked out
0: of it. So it is kind of an art house kind of film. Oh, 100%. So so that doesn't mean that it's one of the worst films. It's just not going to be the flavour of those that do not... People fall into categories, don't they? Casual cinema goers who enjoy Hollywood, and then there's people who love cinema... So this is a film for people who love cinema?
1: This is a film for people who love cinema. This is a film for people who love theatre. This is a film for people who love music. But why did I say I wasn't sure if it was one of the best or worst? It's so abstract. It's so wacky. It's so different. It's almost like... It's almost taking the mick in a way. Like, that's what I mean by worst. Because technically, um, you know, this film is so well-grounded in its script, in its music, in its cinematography. Um, To me, I am absolutely mortified that i haven't been able to rewatch it um i think it demands a rewatch um and in my notes i put this is bound to be pay- playing in small cinemas um and independents i would seek it out i think it's on amazon in uh, in the states um and it might be coming to amazon um in the uk um, you never know with these things. But
0: Sometimes they go to end up swapping streaming services. Yeah,
1: But what I would say is if you do seek out a net, whether it be in the cinema or in the comfort of your own home, make sure you've got a good sound system. Really blast this out because the sound design is beautiful. Um, it's strangely captivating and incredibly technical, um, but it's not the most accessible film. And that's what I mean by is it one of the worst films because at its heart cinema is there to entertain mm. but this is such a bizarre and wacky experience that is it almost unaccessible to i don't know 90 percent of cinema goers um i hope what you haven't seen it i hope what i've said um makes sense but what i would say is you will know immediately within the first 10 or 15 minutes um if it's your cup of tea um
0: I would just like to add that this is a 15. Yes. Um, and it is still playing in in cinemas, but not those kind of cinemas that you can easily get to. If you're in London, you'll find them in a cinema in London. Uh, I think there's one in Tottenham Court Road um, that is currently playing it still uh, as of uh, today when we're recording this. Yeah. So you can get to the cinema to watch it. But... Is this going to be something that you guys want to see? Well, David, do you want to tell them any more before I ask you questions?
1: Yeah. Um, my only other criticism of the film is it has a running time of two hours, 20 minutes. And I, I just... problem with musicals is they're actually very, very difficult to condense down. They tend to be quite long. I just wonder if this could have had a little bit of fat trimmed. Five, ten minutes, just a little bit of a tighter edit. Um... Uh, no, I think I'm ready for the question. I hope that made sense. you know what this film's about, how bizarre it is, but how beautifully shot it is technically, you know th- what a picture from a with my critic's hat on, this is like critically incredible, but from an audience perspective, some people are gonna walk out and go that was an absolute load of tosh, melodramatic over the top self indulgent art house rubbish
0: um, <laughs> so David Annette, is it worth it?
1: I think Annette is 100% worth it. Uh, I think it might pop up at the Oscars in cinematography. I hope it does, because I certainly thought that was brilliant. I really think this film is worth a watch in the cinema. Um, If you can't watch it in the cinema, watch it with a good surround sound system because the music is is, is pivotal. Um, And that one particular scene um, that is available on YouTube, actually, Hmm. Um, the orchestra conducted by Simon Helberg is just absolutely compelling theatre. So yes, Annette, it's bizarre. So please don't say I didn't warn you, but no, Annette is definitely worth a watch.
0: Did you know that this was intended to be an album by Sparks?
1: I did not
0: incredible i didn't know that either but
1: and the last thing i'll say about the music is there's something drug laden about this music in the sense that i listened to the to the soundtrack the first time when i was in the cinema i've subsequently downloaded the soundtrack on my iphone it's really really addictive music it really gets into you and that clip we love each other very much I don't think it
0: made mean, it sound very foreign though
1: is the best song in there but listen to it a few times and it, you, you'll find it grows on you but if you visually could see that the camera work incredible Annette I could talk about it for ages um, go and see it in the cinema it's 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 bizarre
0: I, but worth it I will try my best to go and see it I promise I'm so sorry I didn't see it So our next film on week 61 is Respect and it follows the rise of Aretha Franklin's career from a child singing in her father's church choir to her international stardom. It's the remarkable true story of the music icon's journey to find her voice. I've got a clip here. Let's take a listen uh, to this clip. me just a little bit a little bit just 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 a little bit let me try just a little bit just a little
1: bit go a third below just a little bit yeah just
0: a little bit yes just a little bit
1: Just a little bit me. Just, uh, <laughs> me. so me and Craig are jigging in the studio there that's a, <laughs> a great a great clip um, sort of showing the the origins of one of Aretha Franklin's most famous songs a brilliant uh, scene actually or, or selection of scenes within this film um where do i begin with respect well i'll begin by saying when i saw the trailer i thought it screamed oscar bait i thought this looked like the the biopics um we had judy recently um which um forgive me i've forgotten her name but it will come to me she won best actress for portraying judy garland um i can't remember her name off the top of my head but craig will probably look it up um so this struck me as as Oscar bait, um, and it does have a real Oscar-y feel to it. Um, and this is where the uh, Rene there you go. This is where the analogy comes in of this film for me being very much like a sandwich, in the sense that again, let's split this film down into three acts. I thought the opening was really wonderful. This analysis of a young Aretha Franklin, seeing her sing at her father's church where he's a preacher, seeing her perform at family gatherings, um, really sort of showed, humanised Aretha Franklin. You know, these big pop stars like um, Aretha Franklin and we've seen other biopics with um, Rocket Man and Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, often these stars are put on a pedestal and they're made to seem almost godlike. This opening really shows her to be this young, innocent girl learning her trade from her mum. And then, without any spoilers, I feel like the ending as well really rounds off the story brilliantly, gives you a nice, succinct ending. It's very a very emotional ending. I won't say whether it's happy or sad. But for me, where this film is no longer an Oscars contender, because it has a feel of Oscar bait. Best picture is the middle. Craig, the middle of this film is not bad, but it's disappointing. It slightly wanders off track. It loses its vision. It doesn't quite know what it wants to be. Mm. So ultimately what you're left with is a sandwich where you've got the most delightful bread, the best bread you can imagine. Mm, Sourdough. And then the filling is good. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with the filling, but it's, it's egg and cress. It's just... What's wrong with egg and cress? It's a bit bland. You know, it's not... It's a bit of egg and a bit of mayonnaise and a bit of cress. It hasn't
0: had the seasoning put in with the egg and cress to just make it just that little bit... Better. Just a little bit, <laughs> just
1: a little bit. <laughs> but better. do you know what I'm saying? For me, the start of the first act mm. and the final act of this film has a Best Picture feel. Ultimately, this won't be nominated for Best Picture because the middle of the film, I'd have to re-watch it and do a bit more study, but there's something wrong with the middle of the film.
0: It's a pacing issue. It's a script issue. It's not an acting issue. Um, no, I don't think it's an acting issue. I think this is where I'll segue myself in here. Well done, by the way. No problem. No um, <laughs> Yeah, I I think Jennifer Hudson undeniably is a brilliant singer. Yeah. Um, I think she does well to portray Aretha Franklin on screen. Um, I don't think it's a hundred percent. I don't think okay. it's um, it's it's not. So it's it's almost like she's trying to very much so portray Aretha Franklin like completely and possibly sound and. I think she she does very well to get close to these things, but it's just not quite. It's it's very much like um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. So Rami Malik portrays uh, Freddie Mercury on screen incredibly well, but his vocal wasn't there because he wasn't singing. Yeah. Now I think Jennifer Jennifer Hudson here portrays um, Aretha Franklin visually all right. Mm. Um and I think that she sings like her, uh, all right, but it's not spot on. And 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 it's that sound It goes back to that sandwich element where that end credits of Aretha Franklin performing mm. her in person at seventy years old, no less. Spoiler alert! <laughs> I mean, it's not really a spoiler. It happened. People yeah. have seen it. Um, If you haven't seen it, this performance, though, really showed you, even at 70, just what a voice she had, just what a presence she had. And it made me realise that maybe Jennifer Hudson couldn't actually get quite there. She like like you undeniably Jennifer Hudson has a, an impressive voice and 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 the performances in, within the film of the of the songs are impressive and but they're not they're not Aretha Franklin level despite the fact that she's going to pr- trying to portray that. Yes, it is very difficult. Whereas in Bohemian Rhapsody, Rami Malek portrays the mannerisms perfectly. He portrays that so so well. Yet he's not singing, but the vocal does work because. It's it is rendered so well. The yeah. sound is Freddie Mercury almost. It's a shame it's overdubbed. That was my criticism of it, yet it sounds great. Mm. So the perform that, that goes hand in hand with each other, and people were impressed. I'm impressed by Jennifer Hudson in the sense that I think she's got a brilliant voice, but it's not Aretha Franklin. Yeah. If we look at um, another biopic, Elton John's recent biopic, *Rocket Man*, that had Taron Egerton um, portray Elton John. Now he didn't look like Elton John, but that's okay. He didn't sound like Elton John. But that was also okay because of the way that the film visually set out to tell the story. It was so unique that it didn't have to be because it wasn't grounded in a true biopic reality. They weren't trying to make him look like Elton John 100%. They just it's like we're telling you this is Elton John's story. This is Taron Egerton playing Elton John. But it's an abstract version of him. I know what you're saying. It's an abstract vocal. Whereas Jennifer Hudson is trying her hardest to be Aretha Franklin, both vocally and visually. And it doesn't just quite hit the mark in that sense. And it's that end performance that really highlighted that for me. And that's why the sandwich is, is present. Like the filling is okay. Like I enjoy Egg and Crest, but it's just not seasoned well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean
0: and 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 the bread is just delicious because the beginning you could quite easily abstractly envisage a franklin that age yep. but you all know her in that age in between yep. you've seen her you know her like that's not her and and that was where i i felt myself being lifted out when it was trying to ground me but it didn't and that I think is the best way of describing yes. that sandwich element in 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 a critical critical is that even a word no. in a critical <laughs> way.
1: Um, let let you you surprise me with a question in my review. Let me just say, René Wigger. Wins the Oscar for for, for portraying Judy Garland. Hmm. Rami Malek wins the Oscar for portraying Freddie Mercury. What is Jennifer Hudson as not a, a bigger passionate Oscar expert for me? For on the back of what you said, do you think she'll be nominated for Best Actress?
0: I think she will be nominated. I think you're probably right. But I don't right. think she will win, and I think it's for the reason that I just said because it just doesn't quite hit the mark. Judy yeah, Garland was such a powerful film it felt to me like some of the more sensitive parts of this film were brushed over because it wants to let the music shine through mm. at some point. Yes. Like there's a lot of demons that, that Aretha Franklin battled, but the really hard hitting stuff just wasn't, it's really hard to, 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 to put this into words, but it just wasn't, it felt like it was rushed and brushed over in oh. some <laughs> elements. And, and I was disappointed for that, but like how far and how much of an, ex- to the extent can you delve into these yeah. issues? Like it's trying to, it's trying to tell the story of the music. It's trying to tell the story of her rise to being a star. Yeah. But in between those things, there are some really difficult things that happen to her as a child. And as she gets, uh, she becomes a, a married woman and battles things there. Um, she battles alcoholism. Did I say that right? Yeah. Um, why am I saying things and it seems to me like I'm saying them wrong? Um, she battles a lot of demons, and it just didn't feel like they were explored properly.
1: I understand what you're saying. I've literally got in my notes meat on the bone, whilst not being a total downer, because there is some heavy subject matter. So I think ultimately it's a bit like Bohemian Rhapsody, where they Rocket Man, they really. Dove into Elton's alcoholism, his demons, and
0: abstractly showed it yeah. though that they were really very creative way. about yeah. that, and I that wouldn't suit Aretha Franklin in a, a biopic for yeah. like, in, in respect it wouldn't suit that, but where but then it, then it should have been more serious and it should have delved, delved into those issues a bit more and and really really. I don't know. Well this is this is why I said the middle wanders off because we see these
1: demons they yeah. they're shown and then they I mean Craig I don't know I wanted more demons. I wanted a bit not more demons I wanted them to analyze it explore it a bit yeah. more. But I think ultimately what this film wanted to be was that pick-me-up crowd pleaser that didn't neglect some of her troubled past. Um, It's a very, very difficult line to walk to have a pick-me-up film with lots of downers. And there'll be other people. I guarantee you, if we interviewed people coming out of the cinema, they'd probably say, oh, that was great. It's such a shame some of it was so sad. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's such a shame that some of it was so heavy. I wish it was all a bit more happy. So... Um, you know, it's it's a difficult tightrope to walk, but overall, I think they walked it very, very well.
0: I've, I again, another film that I has come to mind, Walk the Line. Can I just say From one of my
1: favorite films of all time?
0: Whacking Phoenix, Ree- uh, Reese Witherspoon. They, you know, it's it's an absolute fantastic biopic. It's, it's
1: tremendous,
0: and it's it's is it because of the story? In that, yes, it is because of the story, and mm. they explore. And delve into the demons,
1: yeah, very way much so.
0: way more, and and it, it, it's part of his history, yeah, and it's see this is and this is in in respect Aretha Franklin's history, part of her story, what makes her her, it's just not explored. It just needed to be a little bit more. It really yeah. did, and uh, you know, funny enough though, Aretha Franklin picked Jennifer Hudson to play her. She had the control over that before she died. She said, "This is it. I'm casting. I want her to be cast as playing me." And and that no praise higher can be from the person who you're portraying to pick yeah. to be picked. And and was it the right choice?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. It is,
0: but it, I think maybe it's it's being lacked in direction and script. Those two elements there may have. Weakened her chances of winning, winning Best Actress at the yep. Oscars. Um, I think I think
1: it's a t- it's a it's a loaded category by the way. Um, won't go into too much detail, but I think she'll get a nomination. Um, I, I just can't see her winning. I don't think it's an Oscar. It's not an Oscar-winning performance. It's just a very very good performance. Mm. And another person who gives a brilliant performance playing Aretha Franklin's father, this this preacher man who himself um, is preaching the gospel, is preaching God's word whilst not really behaving in a very godly manner. Very very interesting character Forrest Whitaker mm. uh, I thought he gave a great performance and just whilst I'm talking about um, his character I just wanted to say as a church girl myself um, I loved the church scenes in this film I thought they were really happy and vibrant and those you know, just I just love the church scenes. Um, they they got me quite emotional. Um, they Aretha Franklin sung um, "There Is a Fountain Filled with Blood," which happens to be my dad's favorite hymn. So that choked me up a bit. Um, very well done. Just a shame about the middle of the film. Mm. And like I said, I'd love I'd love to rewatch this. I'm actually gonna recommend it to my parents. I I think very highly of this film. It's just the middle needed seasoning. And I
0: think I think, think we. are being very critical of it because of the 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 actual story, the actual uh, importance it of it deserves telling. to be told exactly and told well a, exactly, and it does. It's a story that deserves to be told and and told well, and that's why I'm really picking at it because I think there are some elements to it that have been slightly misguided and and undersold. It may be the edit, maybe there was loads of things that were cut out and thrown yeah. out because it is quite a long film. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I. Th- Marlon Waynes, 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 sorry. Um, who plays Ted White in the film? Uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Hudson, Aretha Franklin's husband in the film. What did you think of his performance? Because he's generally quite a comedic actor. Um, did you feel like he fit the role well? Um,
1: yeah, I thought his performance was. I describe it as very solid. Um hard to watch at times, not because it was bad, just because of the subject matter that was unfolding. I thought thought he did a very, very good job. I thought across the board there was no one character or no one actor that I thought Blimey, that's, that stands out as a, as a bit of a humdinger. Mm. They were all... they were all well, the, the casting was very good in this film. I think Forrest Whitaker was brilliantly cast. I think Jennifer Hudson was brilliantly cast. Like you say, her singing is certainly superior to her acting. That's not to say her acting was bad.
0: Mm. Okay, I think we're ready to Absolutely. ask questions. Uh, David, respect, is it worth it?
1: Yes, look, I think respect is worth it. Um, and I think it's worth seeing in the cinema. Because these songs, these powerful ballads, you want to hear that with surround sound Um, I think there's going to be Oscar buzz, I don't think there'll be any fruit on that tree ultimately, Um, but this is definitely a film worth watching and yeah people of all ages and if you're a Aretha Franklin fan and you've seen this film drop us an email and let us know what you thought of it Um, but for me definitely worth a watch Craig for you respect is it worth it
0: yes I I still think this film is worth watching if you are not familiar with Aretha Franklin's career at all um, I think this will give you some good insight into her it will make you want to go and seek out her music her back catalogue and and really discover the true Aretha Franklin you do get a good sense of what that is in this film I think it could have done been done better um but that remains to be seen with my opinion I mean like I think other people may think this was an amazing biopic but for me it was slightly lacking it's still worth it though it's yeah. still definitely worth I going agree. to see um so that was our review ladies and gentlemen of respect
1: we managed to go the whole review without singing <laughs> <laughs>
0: So our next film or my next film because I'm reviewing this, Han Solo is here today and it sees veteran comedy writer Charlie Burns played by Billy Crystal form an unlikely yet hilarious touching friendship with New York singer Emma Page and she's played by Tiffany Haddish. Now Emma, the unlikely recipient of a prize to have lunch with the comedy legend, despite not knowing who he is, gets off to a very rocky start with Charlie. Now think seafood allergy, uh, a hospital Vizier and an EpiPen. <laughs> I know. Before long, each finds in the other a deep kind of soulmate, forging a deep bond that kicks the generation gap aside and redefines the meaning of friendship, love, and trust. Um, I've got a clip or trailer lined up. Um, let's take a listen to that.
1: Want to some laughs? Thank you for bidding on me in the auction. I am so flattered that somebody your age would be a fan of my work.
0: I don't know who the hell you are. My ex really wanted to meet you, so he bid. How much? Twenty-two. Twenty-two hundred dollars? That's fantastic. Twenty-two dollars. It started at twenty, and then it went up in fifty-cent increments.
1: I'm a comedy writer. All right, guys, very funny stuff. I also write for Broadway and movies. Why is your face suddenly bigger than it was before?
0: Oh my God, are you allergic to seafood? Oh my God. She doesn't have insurance and she really shouldn't be leaving here by herself.
1: Your daughter is going to be fine. My... Why did you tell the doctor that I was your father?
0: I was a little loopy by then. Are you doing anything right now? No. Want
1: to have some laughs?
0: Come on queen, smile girl, smile.
1: Marilyn Monroe from The Seven Year Itch.
0: Mm. I'd be at you too if I had hot subway air blowing up my ass. Doctor, thanks for seeing me so late. How's the writing going? It's all of these young kids. In the tradition of George Carlin and Richard Pryor... Somebody's got to talk to Roger about his inflections. Come on, sub-pina. What, what is that, a very small peanut? Are you doing what we talked about?
1: I try not to vary my routine.
0: You have medicines to help you. I was backed up for like eight days. And You can always give yourself an enema.
1: I'm saving that for my birthday. Who are they? That's my family. I
0: think... Of- So, that's a clip from here today, and, uh, well, I say a clip, it's actually a full-length trailer, wasn't it? (laughs) Did that give you some good insight into what the film's about?
1: It did, yeah. I I really enjoyed the trailer.
0: Sorry, your mic wasn't up. Now it is. It did, yeah.
1: I I really enjoyed listening to that trailer. I unfortunately didn't get to see this film, but I am
0: buzzing to know whether it's worth it. (laughs) Okay. Well, we all know Billy Crystal, don't we? We do indeed. Um, Can you pick any films... That you know off the top of your head that he's been in. Please, go on. Let's see if you can do it. No. Really?
1: Yeah. Uh, I didn't know you. Oh, Craig, why did you ask me that?
0: Well, no, because obviously he's been in Monsters, Inc. Oh, got, Yeah, you know, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest films that he's been in is When Harry Met Sally. Of course. Yep. Um, I mean I can go through some of the other films that he's been in he's he, vi- he he voiced uh lots Well, Mike over and over again in in the monster Inc. sequels um he's been in cars voicing yeah. the, he's he's a big voice actor in 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 cinema as we all know um lots of TV series he's been in he was in Hamlet um the Kenneth Branagh uh, oh, wow. Hamlet film the four hour long epic you know, Craig loves that film, I do, and he was pretty good in that. It, 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 that's the, this is the thing about Kenneth Branagh, like in, in, well, the Hamlet film anyway, he casts a lot of um, unlikely people to be in that film. Yeah. Robin Williams being one of them as well, um, yeah. which was I thought was a great, 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 great cast, uh, or casting, shall we say. Um, but yeah, so Billy Crystal is obviously a comedian, uh, a, a very funny comedian, and we see him in this film as an ageing comedy writer um, playing Charlie Burns and he's writing comedy sketches um, for a TV show in in the US and he unfortunately um, is diagnosed with a form of dementia. Yeah. And this is where this bond between him and Emma is formed mm. and she, out of everybody in his life um, she's the one that notices these things that don't seem normal Yeah, because she's an outsider and everybody in his life doesn't notice it because they just think he's being funny like instances like him not being able to use his computer because he prefers writing on a typewriter where well, the truth is that he can't use the computer anymore because he's using losing his ability to use it the same with a phone he he can't remember his way to work because he has to well he has to only go one way to work because routine is key for him and repetition is key for him to be able to sustain his ability whilst he's starting to progress with this horrible horrible illness yeah and it's it's a very touching film. Now, mm. the Rotten Tomatoes, I haven't actually got up here, but what I will say that about the Rotten Tomatoes is critically, it's sitting at a forty nine percent rating. Yeah, whereas the audience for for it if i can remember off the top of my head i will have to i will go on it in a second it's sitting at like around 95 percent, i yeah. think if i can remember correctly i'm gonna bring it up now but if if i'm incorrect i will state in a second but if not i will continue talking um yeah i think one of the reasons for that is because as an audience member myself if i take off that critical yeah my my head the head where i'm thinking in a critical way shall i say um it's a very enjoyable film and, and a huge emotional roller coaster that we go on. And I think Billy Crystal is, is an amazing actor because he's mm. able to communicate humour in such a way. Now, there, there may be one too many gags in here. And it feels like because he's directing this film, he and he, he's so into it that there are scenes that he just didn't want to cut on. Okay. And in the edit suite, he didn't want to get rid of some of those scenes. And there are plenty of these scenes that play out where you could have ended it much earlier. And the, the humour in the scene kind of fails because of that. Um, but the relationship between Billy Crystal and Tiffany Haddish is there. It's so real. It feels real and I think it is real from what I remember from my research that I've done I believe they are friends in real life and they wanted to work together on a film. And I think this is one that really suits the both of them. I'm, I'm supposed to be getting these rotten tomatoes up, aren't I? <laughs>
1: While you're doing that, I just feel absolutely terrible that you asked me to name any film that Billy Crystal was in. And I couldn't think of one. I'm, 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 I'm being put on my toes this episode and I'm still thinking about the meaning of that damn puppet in a net. I'll get, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm I'll sorry get back to you folks. I'll get I'm, back to you.
0: I'm so sorry. Well, Looking, I've wow, got, I've that's got, that's interesting. Yeah, so like the tomato meter here for 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 the critics is forty nine percent for ninety four reviews, ninety three percent from the audience score. It is an audience sensation. Like it is yeah. very pleasing for the, an audience member to watch. Is it one that could have gone straight to streaming services? It probably could have. However, I do feel. Seeing it in the cinema has done it somewhat justice because it feels like a film from the nineties.
1: Yeah, I got that from the trailer.
0: Yeah, you really the, the hu- level of humour in it is it's it's gag after gag after gag after gag, and the emotional side of it, the stuff that is desperately traumatic and upsetting, yeah, hits you still. It does. And I, like I say, they're, they're, they're in a critical sense, it just they needed to cut earlier on a lot of the scenes. It is nearly two hours long. Yeah, that sounds long for this kind of movie. It is. It really, really is. And it has 100% got that Hollywood typical, almost happy ending mm. at, at the end. And it's so stereotypical Hollywood. And I dislike it. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And, I know what you're saying. And I don't understand. And I, it's because of my love for Billy Crystal, because he is such a... Oh, he's just such a wonderful guy, and you want to be his friend in this film, even yeah. though he, at times he can be a bit of an arse. He, he still is somebody I'd love to be. And there's, there's a scene in the film that, um, during a live airing of a sketch on yeah. this TV show, he's there, he comes out, and he... You may have heard in that trailer clip that he's sick of this guy saying words wrong, the inflections of certain words that getting said <laughs> wrong on his on his um, on his uh, stories that he's written or, or, or you know sketches that he's written. Yeah, yeah. And he just loses the plot and he goes absolute ape live on air, mm. but in such a humorous way of for, from an outsider, it's very humorous, but actually he's having a proper moment mm. with this illness and he doesn't realise exactly what he's doing. And it's both, you don't know whether to laugh at that scene because as an audience member, you know what's going on and everyone else in the scene is finding it funny and I don't know if the tone of that scene was on point and there's yeah. a lot of scenes like that. But subject yet, matter, this is tough it's really 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 tough it 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 you know it's not the father, yeah at all, um, that was heavy, it wasn't funny it but it really gave you a sense of how those people were feeling um supernova as well, like that had humor in it, but it it was very British, yeah, this is hollywood's version of of looking at this subject matter and has it done the illness justice? Well, I think any film that raises awareness for these illnesses Mm. are doing it justice in some way. But the reality of it is that it didn't press it hard enough. Yeah. And it tried to be too funny. It tried to be very funny. And that is Billy Crystal. He is trying to be funny. He's trying to get laughs out of you. He almost hits the mark. And I think as an audience member, he does as a critic. I don't think he does. Makes perfect sense, and I'm I'm finding it difficult to whether to decide whether or not I think it's worth it.
1: Should I ask you the question? Yeah, go for it, Craig. Here today, drum roll. Drum, bum, 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 bum. Is it worth it?
0: It's worth it in the sense that if it comes to streaming services, I think it's worth a watch. Ooh. But if you come across it at the cinema, I, I I think there may be slightly better films on that you could go and see. Um, namely the ones that we've mentioned already. <laughs> um, Bond <laughs> is coming out very yeah. soon. This may That may be something for you, but I mean, comedy-wise, there isn't much on at the minute, and this could be the one film that you go and see. That it's a lot
1: of heavy films, which we're about I to mean, dive exactly. into. Exactly,
0: they are very traumatic and tragic. And again, even here today is is tragic in some yeah. ways, in in the sense that it's tragic that it maybe didn't hit the mark quite so well, yeah. and tragic in the sense that this character's downfall is happening, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. Yet, humor may solve all. Does it solve any everything for this? Maybe not. But hey, Here Today is in cinemas right now. And it, it, it's it's not worth going to see in the cinema, maybe. Wait till it comes out on streaming services. But if you want if you want to laugh, you will laugh. Maybe go and see it. Oh, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough it? one. It's really tough. Really, really, really tough. I just had to sort of elongate and that. Han so Solo I could get... is tough. And I think, have I got three coming up now? You do. Well...
1: Here we no go. more tough questions.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm doing my best. <laughs> what does that puppet mean?
1: So, sorry, our next review is The
0: Night House. Uh, I believe, Craig, you're going to be reading the synopsis for this. It looks like I am. Well, reeling from the unexpected death <laughs> of her husband, Beth, played by Rebecca Hall, is left alone in the lakeside home he built for her. She tries as best as she can to keep it together, but then nightmares come, disturbing visions of her presence in the house calling to her, beckoning her with a ghostly allure uh, against the advice of her friends. She begins digging into her husband's belongings, yearning for answers, What she finds are secrets both strange and disturbing, a mystery she's determined to unravel. And David is about to unravel those mysteries with his review. Uh, We have a clip. Let's take a listen to that clip. That was disturbing, and I mean the bit at the end where it wins.
1: The nighthouse, the nighthouse, rated R. I have to say, so I went into this film blind. Um, I hadn't blind, Uh, I hadn't seen a trailer, and that trailer sort of doesn't really summarise what this film is really at all. Yeah, so that trailer is very, very um, misleading, and I'll and I'll get on to why. Um, In a good way. No, in a bad way, because that trailer sort of pitches at you, this sort of fast-paced thriller horror, um, which this film isn't. Um, It's directed by David Bruckner. Uh, This is his highest-rated film on Rotten Tomatoes, and I will touch on those Rotten Tomatoes scores a little bit later. It's starring Rebecca Hall in the main role. And the first thing I would say about this is the subject matter is pretty tragic. Um... After the unexpected death of her husband, I won't say how the husband dies, but it's in very tragic circumstances. And this film is a real slow burn. If you're expecting immediate jump scares and a fast-paced horror, look elsewhere. There are injections of pace and scary parts. You just have to wait. And and I like that. And overall... I like this film. Visually, it's impressive. You know, there's some nice cinematography here that sort of builds suspense and atmosphere. And at its heart, Craig, what this film is, is it's a character study. And it's why I like this film. Yes, it's a horror, but it's also a drama and it has depth to its main character. Rebecca Hall gives a very um, good performance. And I think actually, for the most part, um the script is pretty solid there's one particular scene she she is actually a school teacher and obviously she's had quite a lot of time off hmm. because of the the death of her husband and this um mum comes in and basically says oh little jimmy h- hasn't got a hasn't got a grade in his english and she sort of says well little jimmy didn't turn up and she goes well you know things happen in life that, that get in the way that's why little Jimmy couldn't come and then she sort of turns around and says things do happen my husband died and it's like bam it hits you hard um, just a really compelling part of the film um, the film also has wind chimes Craig which are, <laughs> I have to say I put that in my notes are yeah. the scariest thing like anyone that has wind chimes what are you doing when the wind blows and they make that chiming noise it is so so creepy um overall it's it's a gritty sort of deep heavy horror it's quite intelligent in the sense that what this film does is it takes a real life scenario within reason because obviously whether you believe in ghosts and haunted spirits and crazy stuff like that is you, you know it has to suspend your belief but what what do i mean it takes the real life situation of the her husband's death and turns it into this reflective piece. But also this horror. These dreams she's having. Are they visions? Is, is her, has her husband come back from the dead? What was her husband doing whilst he was still alive? And they really dive into that. She starts going through his phone and old photo albums. And she starts to discover that perhaps her husband wasn't the character um, that she thought. What I would say about this film. It, and it is slightly frustrating is it doesn't fizzle out as such it's just that the ending isn't as powerful and dramatic as the director thinks do you know what i mean by that when yeah. there's an ending so it doesn't you know i often talk about fireworks going off and then that, that last firework just goes meow, meow, pop," yeah, yeah. and it ends it doesn't end like that it, the, the the ending is
0: quite dramatic but it's not because it doesn't really work and that's does it answer your questions that you've had throughout this entire film that you've been watching does it does it answer it or does it leave it open or does it um does it just leave you hanging and nothing else is going to come of it you reckon
1: that is a very good question it really kind of does leave it very much open to interpretation but do you think there'll be more to be answered no i don't think there'll be a Nighthouse 2 um you know, it's it's not without its faults. There are faults in this film. But it's a very, very solid psychological horror. So like I said, if you're expecting um, jump scares, and there are jump scares in mm-hmm. this, but this is an analysis of, of death. What does death mean? What does life mean? Is there life after death? What is haunting this house? Very, very interesting. Um, I have to say, I think Rebecca Hall... Um, gives a really good performance, Craig, in the sense that there's a lot of scenes where nothing actually happens. So imagine someone walking around a house with a flashlight. Yeah. Nothing actually happens, but you're on the edge of your seat because something might happen, and Rebecca Hall makes that work with her facial expressions, with her body language. When she's having these horrific nightmares, she's waking up covered in sweat, absolutely distraught. Like, I believe that. Yeah. Um. The film is like an onion. It's got lots and lots of layers. Um, What I would say is Craig touched on the last uh, film, the Rotten Tomato scores. Very, very interesting, the scores here. Critics from 185 reviews, it gets 86%. But from over 250 audience reviews, it only gets 68%. And I think that sums this film up. Critically, this is a very well-made piece. But for an audience member, it may not give you all of the scares that you're looking for.
0: Mm, Very interesting. I I really like Rebecca Hall. Um, One of the first films that I saw her in was Starter for Ten. Um, I don't know if you've seen that before, um, but it stars um, James McAvoy, Alice Eve, Rebecca Hall, Dominic Cooper, um, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, James Corden. Um, There's there's a (laughs) lot of... uh, Obviously, yes, there are a lot of... um, Uh, People in there that may have, you may have sighed at James Corden probably being the one person there, actually. But it launched... Uh, even Catherine Tate is in there. It wow. launched the careers of a lot of those actors. This film, Benedict Cumberbatch, this is one of the first films that he was in. That one of the big films that he was in. Dominic Cooper as well, James Corden. That and then these are a group of people that have kind of worked together. Dominic Cooper and James Corden, especially with um, the History Boys, um, which Great was, film. yeah, an absolutely extraordinary film. Um, the stage adaptation um, for the from the stage to the to the film. Um, was was brilliant and James Corden actually was probably it's probably James Corden's best film that he's he's been in Um, Agreed yeah but anyway so so Rebecca Hall was someone that I've been following since that film she's been in Iron Man I think it was Iron Man 3 that she was in um, and various other big Hollywood films but this one sounds like it's all about her it's it her film it's it's really sold as her film and it's one that i really wish i had gone to see this is making me want to watch starter for 10 again but david the Nighthouse, is it worth it
1: we finally got to the question but no yes. um Yes, uh, The Nighthouse is, in my opinion, definitely worth it. It's, you know, don't go in expecting this fast paced, gory horror. It's gritty, it's deep, it's heavy, it's intelligent, emotionally charged, reflective piece that is well acted. That is what saves this film or makes this film worth it is Rebecca Hall's central performance. Um, for me, it's worth seeing in the cinema, and I would definitely check it out when it comes on streaming services. The Nighthouse. Ooh, it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going hand Solo again, um, three horror films in a row. It's a tragic tale and it's a spooky episode. I'll be looking at James Wan's Malignant. What is this film about, Craig? Well, I'll tell you. Paralysed by fear from shocking visions, a woman's torment worsens as she discovers her waking dreams are terrifying realities. Before I dive into this clip, let's take a little listen. Sorry, before I dive into this review, I was going to (laughs) say, let's take a little listen to a clip. I haven't.
0: Dr. Florence Weaver was found brutally murdered in her home this morning.
1: Did you know her? No, but I saw her die. I'm seeing things. I'm seeing murders. As they're happening.
0: Hello? He says his name is Gabriel. I think he's someone from my past. Birthday. Whatever happened to you before you joined our family hurt you in a way that I can't even imagine. Stop saying that. Maddie, who are you talking to? Gabriel. Is he your imaginary imaginary imaginary? He's the devil.
1: Well, that was a very dramatic trailer. and a, <laughs> Very uh, dramatic. And actually a really good summary of what Malignant is. Um, what is Malignant? Well, Malignant is James Wan really flexing his directorial muscles. Um, and it really is a film that I think is going to divide audiences. Um, it starts with a flashback. We're told it's 1993 and we've got this... Um, this hospital and all hell is breaking loose someone or something is in this room and everyone that goes in is hurt and in a really gory and over-the-top fashion quite an engaging start and then one of our main doctors says very dramatically down the camera it's time we cut out the cancer and then the 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 pre-credits start and that's the setting for the film and and you're thinking, what does that mean? It's Tommy cut out of the cancer. What is all this about? Well, James one does come back cleverly. You, you might say, some might say, not cleverly, to reveal the opening and what it means. Um, the first thing to say about this film is actually cinematography-wise, it comes from Michael Burgess, and I really enjoyed the way it looked. There's one particular part in this film, Craig, where our protagonist is running through her house, and it's actually shot from above like a bird's-eye view. But imagine the roof has been cut off, so you can see her running from room to room, and it's just... You feel like you're almost a spirit hovering over this situation, and it gives you a really... Interesting insight to our character and what's happening. There's a real clever use of light and dark in this film. Um, it's always better to use that, like jaws. The most effective thing about jaws is you don't see the shark. Once you see the shark, it's less scary. Yeah, it's building the suspense. And this film builds the suspense really, really well. There's lots of use of light and dark. What's in the darkness? We have lots of moments where you see something in the dark and then a light shone on it and it's gone. Um, it's very, very effective. Uh, the soundtrack in this film, I just want to say, is absolutely brilliant. Um, it comes from Joseph Bishara. Um, He was also involved, or the, uh, the producer of the music for Insidious and the Conjuring. You know those instrumentals, the violins in Insidious and the Conjuring? Yes. Very striking um, soundtrack. Now, what would I say about this film This film, and if you've seen it, you'll know exactly what I mean, goes from the sublime to the ridiculous, and I really, really do mean that. I thought this was directed well, acted well, good suspense, good gritty horror, and then it just goes, for me, it goes mental. (laughs) so 60% of this film is great and then 40% is mental does that reflect the Rotten Tomatoes I'll come on to that but what (laughs) what do I mean by mental I'm trying to do a non-spoiler review it's over the top it's ridiculous it's incredibly gory and graphic it's absolutely crazy I can summarise this film it's like James Wan got drunk and high halfway through making this film and thought meh Let's go crazy. Mm. And boy, did he. Now, I didn't like the second half of this film. If you've seen it, you'll know what I mean. I laughed at one point when I was, you know, in a horror when you're supposed to be shocked. Yeah. I literally laughed out loud. Um, people who've seen that this film will know exactly what that moment is. And for me, this went from being a really unique, quite original, gritty, mysterious horror... To a bit of a farce, that's not to say it's a bad film. It's just to say that the the direction this particular film went in, I wasn't a fan. Other people on Twitter, I, I, I don't really listen to other reviews before I've done mine. But on Twitter, I've seen a lot of people saying this is James Wan's best film. He's had an absolute blast with it. He's gone crazy. Really? Yeah. Acrobat? well there is that and I did have his uh, list of films up earlier but a lot of people are saying this film feels, feels like he's had complete freedom and it's it, it's like nothing he's ever done before it goes completely bonkers um and it the, the Rotten Tomato scores are are surprising in the sense that it gets 75% from the critics and 52% from the audience so why do the critics prefer this to the audience well I think it's because like I said it's the, the cinematography is, is good the direction is good the soundtrack is incredible but i think the audience aren't buying into this because the ending is totally bonkers and if you don't buy into it it's 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 like the the car is going down the road and it just veers off dramatically now some people will like the direction it goes in some won't and that makes it a divisive film mm. for me i thought the ending was was ludicrous um, it's definitely open without giving any spoilers away. Literally the last few seconds of the film leave it open for a sequel. I think they'll look at how it does at the box office. I think they'll look at how it's um, received critically because obviously The Conjuring did very well. They brought out The Conjuring 2. That's opened a whole sort of universe there. So I think I'm ready for the question, if that makes sense. Unless you have any questions for me. I hope what I said there made Made sense, yeah. So
0: obviously, James Wan is um known for his horror films, and yeah, this one is rated quite highly. Um, in the sense that Rotten Tomatoes are saying 76 percent audience score 52 percent, but uh, The Conjuring, when that came out, um, that's looking like it's sitting actually a lot higher 86, with 86 eight. and 83 percent. So it's not his best work. Um, Aquaman again, like uh, which was an, uh, obviously not a horror film, but it takes a lot of his unique directing. Long as well. <laughs> it's been for very long, yeah. Um, Aquaman just wasn't there, was it? So the where this sits, would you say it's just it's quite? Is it quite mediocre? It's it's his
1: most divisive piece of work. This will get people talking. Like if you want to go and see a horror film that will get you talking, go and see Malignant. Like some people are gonna love this movie. Mm. Some people will love this twist. Some people will laugh at this twist. Like it it's it's very clever direct and direction and very clever filmmaking in the sense that it will get you talking. It's not one of those run-of-the-mill horror films that maybe you could say not the Nighthouse, we'll get onto what is a bit run of the mill, maybe. But you know you see a horror film and you just go, that was very generic, yeah. very oh, yeah. formulaic. This isn't. This takes you on a journey, and it takes you on an interesting journey. It's just one that I didn't particularly enjoy at okay. the end.
0: Well, is it worth it?
1: That is a very good question. Um, and I'm gonna say yes, malignant is worth it because I think the the opening 60% is really well made horror. That 40% at the end is totally bonkers and balmy, And you might just like it. And even if you don't like it, the stunts are great. Um, the CGI is good. There's lots of gore. This is a divisive film. This is a film that will get you talking. This is a great film to go and see in a group. So yeah, Malignant, I would say it's worth it.
0: Well, thanks for that, David. Um, you're now going to round the show off with the last review. So, the final review on week 61 is reviewed again by one Miss Dave, Miss, <laughs> Miss Dave, Mr. David Long. There we go, get it right. You're not a lady. But no, far from it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're implying, but we'll move on. <laughs> yeah. It's Candyman. Uh, so what is this film about? Well, for as long as residents can remember, the housing projects of Chicago's Cabrini Green, if I've said that right. Cabrini Green, uh, yeah. yeah. neighbourhood were terrorised by a word-of-mouth ghost story about a supernatural killer with a hook for a hand, easily summoned by those daring to repeat his name five times into a mirror, no less. In present day, a decade after the Lee. The last of the Cabrini Towers were torn down. Visual artist Anthony McCoy and his partner, gallery director Brianna Cartwright, move into a luxury loft condo in Cabrini. Now, gentrified beyond recognition and inhabited by upwardly mobile millennials. Millennials. Millennials, sorry. (laughs) It's fine. I know. Anthony's painting career is on the brink of stalling. A chance encounter, however, with a Cabrini-Green old-timer exposes Anthony to the tragically horrific nature of the true story behind Candyman. Now, I do, in fact, also have a clip for this film, and we're going to take a little listen to it now.
1: Candyman isn't
0: real. I saw it! Candyman isn't Real, Anthony. You know, you know what is real? Me, Anthony. Me. This. This is a real. You don't understand. You, you... Okay, I, I. I will show you that. Okay, Candyman. No. Candyman. Ah! Oh! Ah! Don't say his
1: name. Don't follow me. So that was a really good clip, actually, from the film Candyman, where our protagonist is telling his, um, I'm not sure if it's his wife or his partner, um, partner. his partner, um, not to say Candyman five times in the mirror. Now, my sort of understanding of this was I was going to go into a film that basically... Was just that. You say Candyman five times in the the mirror, someone with a hook comes and brutally murders you. Now, we do get a bit of that, but this film is much more complex than the trailer or that clip may actually lead you to believe. Can I just interject very quickly? I have no idea what you're going to say, but this is live. Go for it. It's not live. (laughs) But it's live in the sense that we're doing it. Well, no, it's not
0: no, live. No, it's not live. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to say, Jordan Peele is on as a producer yes. here, so I would expect nothing less than this being a bit more complex than what we were expecting, because yeah. he is someone who has a very layered, nuanced, uh, storytelling approach to things, that like he will find little things to weave into a story. Yeah. Uh, he did that with us and and, and and the other films that he's he's so well known to have done, and it's interesting to hear what your review is going to be about this because he does influence mm. a lot of these films. And I think as a producer, he's going to influence it massively. Yeah, he
1: did. Um, the, the So the, the striking thing about this film is it starts with everything being backwards. So the universal sign when it comes up is backwards. All of the, the lion roaring, it's all backwards. Mm. I thought the projector was broken. I thought it was being projected in reverse. I thought there was something wrong. Okay. And the reason it does that is, it un- for me anyway, as a regular cinema guy, I thought, this is odd. It unsettles
0: you. It gets you on the edge of your seat. Some- so it, was it upside down, did you say? Re-
1: reversed. Reversed. So instead of universal going left to right. So it- like to, as a reflection in yeah. a mirror sort of So, thing. It, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Wow, that's interesting. So everything was in reverse. Yeah. Um, And the film starts with the sound of bees. And I mean, the cinema sounded like there was millions of bees in there, really, really loud. And then silence. And that really engaged me. And we immediately started with this flashback to 1977 uh, and introduced to the Candyman. um, And it sets the scene well. Um, And then we have the opening credits. And when the opening credits are rolling, Craig, we have this bizarre cinematography where, again, it's almost like I think you've hit the nail on the head and picked up on something that maybe I didn't notice in two viewings of this film. I saw this film twice and I saw Malignant twice because I thought they were worthy of of seeing and doing a bit more study of these upside down buildings so everything is in reverse and everything's upside down and everything's uncomfortable and there's bees and you're thinking what on earth's going on here um the first thing to say is the soundtrack is on point the soundtrack in this film is really really good i think a soundtrack is key to um a horror film, but what this film does really, really well is they have retellings of previous Candyman's, and they do it with shadow puppetry, Um, and it's done really, really well. You know in um, the penultimate Harry Potter film, um, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1?
0: Yeah, where they go and do that animated backstory of deathly the deathly hallows, deathly hallows. Yes. Yes, yes imagine yes, yes. that
1: yeah but instead of the story of the deathly hallows we this have much st- dark we have candy man okay um and it's it's brilliant um it's 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 just really really interesting and our protagonist um who is played by uh i can't quite see that from here sorry to, me to zoom in yaya abdul Mateen the second um He starts to get really interested in this history of Cabrini Green and the history of Candyman. And he actually goes back to the projects, Cabrini Green, and starts photographing it. Uh, And he basically gets stung by a bee. And this is where it all starts to go wrong. Uh, He then meets a character who's played by Coleman Domingo, who is absolutely brilliant in this film. And he starts to give a history of Candyman and what it means to the community. And the start of this film is is great. It really had me gripped. Um, and this these stories in, in inspire um, Anthony McCoy, played by Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, to start his artwork. And he paints these portrayals of what he thinks Candyman is and it ends up in an art show with a really clever piece of art um which is called say my name and it's basically a mirror and inside the mirror is the artwork and you're encouraged to open the mirror look at the artwork and then say candy man's name five times as you can imagine people do this things start to unfold um Colin Domingo, I've already said, his character is great and really, really essential to giving these monologues with this shadow puppetry. Um, And it's really a story about a neighbourhood caught in a loop where these repeated murders, these tragedies keep happening and why. And it's also a social commentary and... I'm not really as a as a sort of I wouldn't say middle class but as a white british male I'm not really qualified to talk about the the social commentary here but it's basically talking about black communities that are being deprived and basically left to rot essentially that they're being put to one side not given the 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 opportunities that you know, the white community is getting. And there's a lot of social commentary here. Really, really interesting commentary. And I think that's, it's obviously directed by a black female. It's got, um, you just said his name, but I Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele uh, producing it. It's, 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 so I there's would, loads of yeah, meat on the bone here. I
0: would expect nothing less from a Jordan Peele film because it always has that social commentary in yeah. every film that he does. And and um, it sounds fantastic. And I knew... It, I, I, I've seen some reviews for it. I knew it was going to yeah. be really, really good. Um, but and I obviously haven't been able to go and catch it, but I really now really, 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 really want to go and catch it. I mean, I've bigged it up. I... Can I
1: say what one of our listeners said?
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: Um, David Bailey, shout out. His wait, name is
0: Wait, Wait, Wait. <laughs> wait just in case. Uh,
1: well, here we go.
0: Well, if I can. So
1: David Bailey said this film was absolute. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think you did it right. Who so, knows?
1: what is this film? I haven't looked at the Rotten Tomato scores. I don't think I've got them in front of me. Uh, I haven't really read many reviews of it. I'm just going off of what I thought. Um, I can see the Rotten Tomato scores now 84% from the critics, 73% from the audience. What do I think of this film overall? I think this is a very, very clever horror film. I think this had the potential to be your run of the mill slasher candyman candy man candyman candy man, candyman, candyman. you're dead, boom, it wasn't that. It was a social commentary. it was a history. It was an analysis of one man descending into madness um and ultimately, I won't give it away, but you know things happen um. I was really impressed by this film. I watched it twice. Uh, I really think it's worth a watch. Don't expect a full-on slasher. Like, there's there's drama here. There's there's meaning here. And I was presently surprised. So it was layered. It was layered. Great.
0: Are you going to ask me the question? Is it worth it? Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Yeah. <gasps> no, I really enjoyed that review, David. That was really, really good. And actually, I really enjoyed all of your hand Solo reviews today. Well, I hope
1: you did. Uh, it was a little bit nerve-wracking. It is, isn't um, it? Because you never know. You could be just waffling.
0: Yeah, but you're not. Well, thank you. And I think I probably waffled quite no, a bit. No, I enjoyed your hand Solo review. I've, I've enjoyed this episode. Uh, great. Dude, dear Craig. Well, it's now the uh, end there of the episode. There we go. I know. Well, David we're at the end of week 61 to our listeners thank you very much for listening we appreciate every single one of you oh yeah oh yeah definitely um but what i will say is if you'd like to get in contact with us david what's the email address
1: the email address is my mail is worth it at is it worth it no it yeah it is are
0: you doing right <laughs> is it
1: yeah, my mail is worth it at isitworthitpodcast.com.
0: Yeah, it is. Well done. He, t-
1: Craig always puts me on the spot. and I, And for the last 10 episodes, I've got it right. Maybe. Um, what else can I say? Normally we have a bit of a script, but there's no script
0: here. There is, but I've hidden it. You've hidden I it. Join it us off-cut. on
1: Instagram, Twitter, Facebookery. Um, all the socials interact with us. Send us messages. Um, Laureline recently uh, shared one of our tweets and encouraged people to listen to the show. Laureline, really, that both me and Craig appreciated that. That was really kind of you to do, and we
0: appreciate your listening yeah, we um, certainly to the show. Do. And we, we certainly love your do. emails as well. Absolutely. Uh, What I will say is coming up on uh, future episodes, we've got the James Bond special. Yeah, look out Um, for that. We're really going to work hard on that. David has worked tirelessly with writing a script for it. Uh, It's going well. It's going very, very well. But ultimately, what I will say is that we're going to try hard to get as many episodes out as we possibly can. We are working really hard. It is just... Busy times ahead. Yeah, it's Huge, Craig, Craig is a times.
1: very busy man. So am I. But I hope you, the listener, appreciate our efforts and um, do keep an eye out for that James Bond special. Um, we don't know how the film's going to be, but it's Daniel Craig's last James Bond. Uh, I think it's going to be a real classic. I'm really, really excited for it. I'm excited to bring you a review of it. Uh, do keep your eyes and ears peeled for that, dearest Craig. Is there anything else you'd like to say?
0: No, other than thank you very much for listening, and goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. We
1: timed that perfectly yet again. (laughs)
0: Every time. (laughs) Thanks. See ya.